that are alive, you are coming with me. What is this bullshit? Good trash genre cast. I love you. I know. Wax on, right hand. Wax off, left hand. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Hello everybody and welcome again to the Good Trash Undercast where we gather around a table and we discuss the films you'll never discuss in a film studies course. We hope that we are mistaken in that assertion as we look at Creed, a uh, discussion of the Council of Nicaea and the formation of the original Christian confession. I believe. Really? No. Really? No. Oh, no, that's right. That's not what this is about. It's about punching people in the head. Hell yeah, it is, baby. I watched the wrong thing. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, you watched the Scott Stapp biopic, yeah, didn't yeah. you? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's, yeah. That's the wrong that's one. That's starring Bill Hader. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Buddy. <laughs> you might have nailed it. Please. Hey, quick uh, digression. Have either of you watched A Futile and Stupid Gesture yet? I almost watched it the other day. No. That little trailer they run on. I'd like to talk about it. Maybe we'll do something on the Patreon. Okay. Because uh, let, me, let me know if you watch it. I think there's some stuff going on there. Um, anyway, sorry about that. I've only seen it when I look back on my life. Tell me about it. But anyway, let's introduce the disembodied voices speaking to the dear listener uh, right here, right now. Who are you, sir? My name is Dalton Stewart, and uh, one step at a time, one punch at a time. One round at a time. There you go. One podcast at a I time. Was, yeah, I was about to. That's why I, I stumbled. I was about to do a whole, like, one mic at a time, one voice at a time, one show at a time. But then I was like, who am I kidding? I talk over you guys all the time. That would yeah, be disingenuous. That's probably fair. Who are you, sir? I am Arthur Gordon, and I just want to prove I'm not a mistake. Oh, man, you are not a mistake. <laughs> you are not a mistake. The, the, the game for this week is just to see how long it takes before Dalton starts crying. I know, right? Yep. Uh, that is I'm our taking game. taking bets. Our, our, our game. <laughs> yeah, what is the over-under on how far into the show I get? without getting uh, choked before, up while I'm talking. Before we make Dalton cry, my name is Dustin Sells. And hey, Dalton, it's a fact of life. When you're talking, you're not listening. That's true. That's a fair point. <laughs> Thank, thanks, Rock. Thanks, Unk. Thanks. Thanks, Unk. Oh, man, that is my job in this particular podcast. Do you want us to call you Yeah, Unk? no shit. Do you want us to call you Unk or OG? Rocky. I think we... Why have we been calling him Pop? You don't get to pick your nickname. Nah, that's dumb. true. Uh, <laughs> yeah, why haven't we been calling him Unk this whole time? I don't know. Yeah, we're idiots. Yeah, you missed the boat. I so so. Uh, I, I, now I won't even know how to respond any longer. But here we are doing the thing that we do. And what is the thing that we do? We need to tell you the thing that we do in case I don't know. this is the first time in which you've tuned into the good trash. Over five years, and I still don't know why we're doing this. Cast. Uh, and so what we do is we take a film studies lens, two films that don't belong in a film studies class. And so as an analysis show, not a review show, that does mean there might be some spoilers. And I want to do jump in real quick, Dustin, and say when you say that uh, – Let's be clear. I think uh, as the show goes on, I think I'm realizing that what we're actually doing is making the case that the film we're talking about should be discussed in a film studies course. I think that's probably And I fair. think that's definitely going to be the case this week with Creed. Yeah, and so we'll, that's what we do, but we try to avoid spoilers for the first part of the show. So what we'll have is a synopsis from The Voice of the Cinema. That is our dearest Mr. Arthur Gordon, who is no mistake. And then we will uh, move on into our quick thumbs-up, thumbs-down reviews, which will indeed be spoiler-free. From there, we will play a game which may or may not involve the mildest of spoilers of 
of this film and those films in its orbit, but we tend to try to avoid that for the most part. Then we get down to business, that business being analysis, and that's when all spoiler embargoes are lifted. And so that is your warning, dear listener, in case you've tuned in for the first time. So without any further ado, uh, we had some kerfuffle with which particular synopsis we are going to use, but I'm going to go to Mr. Arthur Gordon, and he is going to use a synopsis from where? I'm going to use the synopsis from Amazon Prime. All right, let's hear it. Because this is Adonis Johnson's movie. It's not Rocky's movie. It is not. This is Cree's movie. Adonis Johnson never knew his famous father. I'm so sorry. That's all right. It happens to the best of us. There are a lot of words in the synopsis, so I just got stumbled (laughs) up real quick. It's a podcast, man. It's all about words. Adonis Johnson never knew his... This is why I don't need a script. Yeah, yeah, this is why we're deep shit. <laughs> There's a lot of words in it. Oh, no. We're in trouble. I'm not going to script this. I'm not going to write up a transcript. Hey, guys, this is a free podcast. You just put this in your ears for free. You don't have to pay a nickel for this. This I, uh, is good stuff. I was, Come reading, on. I was reading on a website. They were like, you know, what do, what do I expect out of a podcast? She was like a reviewer or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was like, do transcripts. And I'm like, ah, no, that would I, take me forever. I don't like them. I... Yeah, I, yeah, for the NPR podcast, sure, but that's just because it's an easier way to. Do you to know how hard it would be stuff. to transcript one of our shows, especially if there's like five people on? I don't need that. I yeah, like it would be crazy. Yeah, I, I don't. I, I need that unstructured energy for my podcast. Correctamundo. Adonis Johnson never knew his famous father, world heavyweight champion Apollo Creed, who died before he was born. Still, there's no denying that boxing is in his blood. So Adonis heads to Philadelphia. The site of Apollo Creed's legendary match with a tough upstart named Rocky Balboa. Once in the city of brotherly love, Adonis tracks Rocky down and asks him to be his trainer. He tracks Rocky down. (laughs) I mean, yeah, he does track Rocky down. That is what happens. It it sounds much more like a Liam Neeson film the way you read that. That's true. I will find you and you will train me. And, and you've got a very particular set of skills <laughs> yeah, I need. I need access to. <laughs> I need to chase chickens. <laughs> That's a funny scene. It is this, a good this scene. has one of the greatest training montages. Uh, okay, I in have, film. The yeah. loudest laugh I've given in a film in a long time is when uh, Adonis finally catches a chicken, and Rocky goes, "I think the chickens may be getting tired." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, the oh, chickens are slowing down. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. So, okay, there you go, dear listener. That is a synopsis of the film Creed, Rocky Seven, if you will. So, without, I, will, I, will, I will, I will not. not. Yeah, I no, will not. No. Don't take that away from Creed. Unfortunately, it does look like Creed Two might be Rocky Eight, which is a little bit of a disappointment. Uh, we can get into that later though but anyhow let's just talk about our thumbs up thumbs down reviews of this film dalton you've been so excited for so long you are jiggling with anticipation um let's hear your words about your thumbs up thumbs down review yeah uh creed's the, an american masterwork it, it may very well be one of the best american films of the last 15 20 years i mean it's that good it is I'll, let's go ahead and say 10 I'll, I'll go ahead and keep it at 10 um just to not go too too far off the handle but hang with me i I love this film, and the more I see it, this is probably the third or fourth time I've watched it, and the more I watch it, the more it just hits me harder and harder, and the more I keep being able to talk myself out of how much I like it. Um, and I do that a lot with films. Uh, I, I think, I don't know about you guys, that's something I find I do. If I stumble into something new, and it really hits me where I live, 
I want to hold it at arm's length and say, this is a fluke. I just got swept up in the magic of, you know, seeing it for the first time in theaters. Uh, and it's really, for me, and again, I know I'm not a big repeat viewer guy, but it is sometimes those at-home viewings that can really help you crystallize uh, where a film lives with you. And for me, Creed's a big one. I, I think what Ryan Coogler uh, does here, and the whole team, obviously, because, I mean, it's just, from top to bottom, a huge production. A lot of the people that Coogler uh, made Fruitvale Station with, a lot who went on from Creed to make uh, Black Panther with him, uh, which we will be, uh, by the time you listen to this, will be out in wide release, right? Yeah. Yeah, so uh, that's something to look forward to and enjoy. Um, but yeah, it's just this this whole team came together and took Rocky Seven and reminded you why we make boxing movies, because it is... Uh, a, a, the story of uh, American dreams of fathers and sons. It's, it's these stories that we always keep telling each other writ large. That's what boxing is one of the best film, uh, sport to film transitions, I think really for uh, the genre, because, you know, with a team movie, you're not going to, you can't build huge characters out of everybody on the team. There's always going to be somebody that gets left out. Boxing's a one person sport. Um, and it's usually about the boxer and their friends and family and their trainer. And I think that's, there's something just, there's good bones for a story there. And what Creed does is takes that story and goes, hey, you remember how Rocky had a robot at one point? That was weird, right? We should walk this back. We should take this back to where it began. And it's like the smooth, it, yes, it's kind of a reboot. It's kind of a sequel. It is a legacy sequel, uh, which uh, our beloved Matt Singer over at uh, Screen Crush and Film Spotting SVU coined that term. Uh, back in 2015 with Force Awakens coming out and Mad Max uh, and Creed all in the same year. Uh, and I think Jurassic Park, to a lesser extent, came up in that conversation too, or Jurassic World. These films that say, we don't want to say that what happened before wasn't important. We want to continue that story and try to find a new way to tap into what was special before. Um, and sometimes films do that really well. And I think Creed is the gold standard for that. It is the gold standard for a new look, a fresh look at an old story. Uh, I, I really fundamentally believe that. And again, it stands on its own two legs. You have to have very little understanding of what Rocky as a franchise is about. Correct. I, I don't even think you need to know. No. Yeah. I mean, everything even, you need to know, you get told. Yeah. yeah even, even like less more so than something like Logan, where yeah, it kind of helps if you know a little bit about the pre-existing relationship between those two characters, uh, Professor X and, and Wolverine. With Logan, yeah, you kind of need that. With Rocky, though, you don't even. I mean, no. it just so seamlessly and so effectively tells you the story, kind of reminds you if you have seen them, tells you if you haven't, and says, Rocky was a big, important movie in the 70s. Um, and that story is still important, but there's a different aspect of it that we need to look at. And um, and again, it carries over some of those same beats. You know, Donnie gets swept up in a fight that he's not ready for, and uh, but he's hungry for it. And again, they tackle it in a different way than it gets tackled in Rocky. In Rocky, there's a little bit more uh, time spent on the decisions. Like, it just, again, it just takes so many of those elements, brings them to, uh, you know, the, the story of Donnie Johnson in 2015 and, and does interesting things with them. It doesn't feel like it's walking over that same ground where something like The Force Awakens does, right? It feels like it's a little too hard trying to recapture that magic. And Creed goes a different direction with it. And um, I think we'll talk more about that as we get into the show. But there's just so much here to talk about. And, uh, again, I think it's a, a damn near perfect film, if not a perfect film. 
All right. Well, thank you very much for that. Mr. Arthur Gordon, what say you in thumbs up, thumbs down review of Creed? I love this movie. I, I, I think it, it's great. I, I'm a big sports movie fan. And I think this works on every level and exceeds quite a, way, a bit of the genre. Um, I, I, I think Coogler is able to kind of subvert some uh, things uh, that you'd expect from a sports movie, stylistically and formalist uh, manner. Um, and it works. I think almost all of his decisions work. Uh, there are a couple of story things that I don't quite love uh, towards the uh, second act, uh, late second act and the third act. Um, but that's it just feels like a misstep to me uh, in regards to the relationship and where that kind of goes later in the film. Um, okay, yeah, but I, uh, I can see that it just it feels like it becomes just a token relationship thing that isn't necessary. I could have used more of the relationship in the second act, yeah, for sure. Um, and so uh, that being said, I think everything else about this movie works. I think it's put together beautifully. I think the decisions, the the fight choreography, those way those fights play out mm-hmm. is brilliant. Um, I, I love the way it all lines up. And like you said, I, I've, I've seen Rocky Balboa and Creed. I've seen the last two Rocky movies. Oh, jeez. Oh, buddy. Okay. Yeah. Wow. I've seen the worst and the best. Um, and so uh, Apparently, Rocky V is worse than Rocky Balboa. Really? Yeah, that Rocky seems to be the Is that the robot one? No, the robot one is uh, three or four. It's in three, yeah, with Clover Lang. Yeah. Which is the, the film in which Rocky and Creed really become best friends. Okay. Uh, but, uh, you know, that being said, I, I, you don't need to see that. You know, I don't, I don't think that history is important to this. I'm, I'm sure it adds some, something else to it, but this film has plenty to offer without that. And, and everything about it works. The, I love the score here. The score is brilliant. It's tying in some of that classic Rocky score, doing its own thing. And they hold on to it for so long. It's, yeah. Yeah. And they it, really make you wait for it. And it when it comes. It it's works. Great. Yeah. It, it's beautiful throughout. And I, I love his, the training homage and, and it's one of the best, I think, sports montages on screen. It's just so energetic, so fun. There's some great humor in there, uh, but we're also seeing him put in the work and that's, that's what's important for that kind of a montage, I think. Um, the makeup, I want to give a shout out to the makeup in this movie. Yeah. Uh, I don't do that a lot and I sh- probably should, but, but in the third act, when we get to that last scene, when we have the, uh, Rocky, where he is at his point, the makeup that they're using on Rocky, and at the end of the fight where we see Creed's eye and it's just like completely shut up and closed off, um, that makeup just looks brilliant. I, I, I think that's really important to note because it's important to this kind of movie. Um, Stallone's great. Jordan's great. Tessa Thompson's great. Tessa, um, and I think that's part of why losing uh, that relationship in the second act is yeah. frustrating because you want to spend more time with Tess Thompson's character. She's so interesting to begin with, and then she just becomes a girlfriend, and I, I hate that so much. Yeah, it is. You're right. It is It is frustrating, um, and it honestly feels like that there was just too much story to get through. I think that's what it point. is. Yeah, I think it, it's just juggling too many subplots that aren't. Yeah, and, and again, I, I actually like why it happens. I yeah, think it speaks I, no, to it the makes sense. Yeah, it's, it's great it for It does the make character. sense. It just feels unnecessary for some reason. I don't know. I think it's just a I matter of I feel like we're balance. missing a scene or two. Yeah. yeah. Um, but other than that, that's that's the one misstep for me. Other than that, I think it's almost flawless. I think it works great, and I, I, I like it quite a bit. All right. Well, thank you very much for that, Mr. Arthur. Gordon. I like this movie a lot also, going back to the Tessa Thompson. First time for you, right? Yeah, first time ever watching the movie. I don't believe the relationship the same way I do the Adrian-Rocky relationship in the original film. See, I totally buy the relationship. I, I, I buy it, but it, it's not as deep. It's not as committed. It's not as sweet. They're, 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 it's I'm like going to disagree, man. They, they meet cute, and they love each other, and there definitely is a relationship, and there's a, there's a thing that happens, mm-hmm. and we won't discuss that. But it, it, that's the one part 
part, as, as Arthur says, that's a little bit weaker than the original for me. For me, I, I don't know. The scene where they're in bed together and he's braiding her hair and she's asking him, like, what he's afraid of. It's like, well, what are you, what are you afraid of? Like, the, yeah. I feel like that's really a great scene of their relationship. I think there's a couple of really great... The scene where they, they go have dinner together oh, I think for the first all, time I mean, is it, really great. And I... I, it, I, I I don't know. I like their interest in each other. I, I guess. I guess I'm saying it's good. I just like Arthur. I want more. Okay. And is the is the relationship with Adrian already established in Rocky? No, they meet. Uh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's just sort of like you know uh, trying to court her, trying to get her interest, and she is interest, but she she doesn't want to. Uh, Oh, she doesn't want to set herself up to get hurt, you know, and so it, it's it's an interesting dynamic uh, that's going on there, and I don't think you have to necessarily ape the same dynamic, and that would have been a mistake to have done that, but I do wish I had a few more scenes to build the sort of uh, the pathos of it. Now, that being said, it doesn't lack pathos entirely. It just it could have been more. That's about the only critique I've got. I'm going to have to disagree, but okay. You know, so um, you're saying perfect. I'm saying not quite perfect. I, I, I'm just saying the. Re- I I actually am with Arthur that I could use more scenes of that relationship, but I I, I like the relationship more than you. Do. And I think yeah. that might help, kind of work in your favor. I think if there's something more to that relationship. Yeah, I just I, I wish there was just a little bit more. Um, but that being said, it does everything right, and it does the things in which a sequel, a legacy sequel, does the retread thing, but slightly off. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't necessarily. Uh, stick to it in this sort of uh, slavish kind of sense. It doesn't feel like, hey, this is what those idiots want. It's what they've always had. We'll give them the exact same thing all over again. We'll just change it where it's the black kid now instead of the white kid. And it's kid. so much more interesting. It, 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 yeah, it, it's so much more than that. And so it's it's really, really effective in doing that kind of thing. I do think sometimes as I watch the movie, uh, as much as I loved it, I almost wished it was a metatextual thing where it was not related to the Rocky universe at all, in which Michael B. Jordan was simply just playing a boxer and and um, Sylvester Stallone was simply playing a washed-up former champion. But that being said, it wouldn't have been that much better of a movie. I, I think it honestly helps it a little bit yeah. because it it transcends those trappings yeah, it, so it, seamlessly. That, and that's it. It's not just so slavishly devoted to it that it becomes yeah. boring, which is, I think, the mistake of The Force Awakening. Um, it, it, or Awakens or whatever it is. Awake, that's it. The Force Awakening starting um, I Robin wasn't, Williams and Robert Duval. Look, I wasn't going to correct you. Uh, we don't have a listener base that's real obnoxious on Twitter about correcting us. But uh, The Force Awakens. But I do, yeah. I'm glad you saved yourself. Present tense, I guess. Anyway, the point being, it, it, it's better than all of that. So I, it, as far as legacy sequels that I have seen, it's my favorite by far. It's a very, very solid movie. It's got so much heart, and it doesn't do do it in such a schmaltzy, sentimental way um, that could be real maudlin and really kind of frustrating and irritating. There are times in which I, I watch a film that does those kind of things. I'm like, you know what? I like that kind of uh, playing on the heartstrings, but when, it's, when you're taking advantage of me, that's when I get really, really irritated. This is what I didn't like about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, if I can just air that bit of laundry. Really? Right okay. Yeah, it, it, it was just when, when uh, Star Lord and uh, uh, pfft, what's Michael name? Rooker? No, not Michael Rooker. Kurt, uh, Kurt Russell. Russell. Kurt Russell start playing ball. See, I think they're fucking with you a little bit there on purpose. Well, no, because it, of the turn. But I, I don't care. It, it, it's it's so cliche. It's so everyday. Okay, it, it made me furious. But again, and, I think that's what they're going for. Again, if it wasn't for that third act turn, yes, mm-hmm. I would totally agree with you. 
But what what Creed does instead is it wrestles with it with all of its messiness. Yeah, that, you're, that uh, he, and that's you're absolutely right. He loves him and he hates him. He he adores him. He and, hates him so and much, he, and he, he hates himself and he believes in himself and he loves Rocky and he hates Rocky and he he can't sort of get his brain around. I mean, the the sort of messiness of it is is the brilliance. That of the film. scene where and again without getting too plot heavy, where him and Rock have a very brief falling out. Uh, Rock pushes him away, mm-hmm. and he and, and and then he realizes he was wrong to do that. When he goes and tries to make amends, oh, and Michael B. Jordan is so good in this scene, he becomes that kid in the detention facility again. Yeah, where he's like, "Fuck you! I don't need your help. Right? I don't know you. And, 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 you're just you're you're just an old guy. You're just some dude. Get out of my face, man." That that moment where a child just stabs, not because they really want to hurt somebody, but they figure that's the only thing they can do. It's that powerlessness. And I mean, again, yeah. Michael B. Jordan just captures it so well. It's that need to protect yourself. Yeah. And uh, can I just say, Felicia Rashad, y'all, she's good, man. Man, oh. she's barely in the movie, but she's her like four it. or five scenes are fantastic. Wood Harris's one scene is spectacular. Yeah. Just killing yeah. it. So I, I love the movie. A lot. I think it's really, really good. I think it's a the most solid Lego sequel um, so far to come down the pike and in this sort of new moment that we found ourselves in. So it's a movie I like very, very much. And there you go, dear listener. Our biases are generally, not just generally, um, quite pro towards the film. And so uh, here we are doing this thing that we do. We have these conversations talking about movies. And we are buddies. We are friends. We are amigos. Uh, you know, I am Arthur's cut man and uh, Dalton is my trainer. I don't know I, i'm trying to make this metaphor work dalton too. makes the best gloves dalton makes you've ever seen he makes really beautiful he gloves. makes the best windscreens for microphones that you've ever seen the the highest quality foam uh, on the market uh custom made monogrammed uh they're beautiful and, and if you're a podcaster and you're looking to up your gear game at Dalton. Oh, Just no. Don't at, don't at me. And, and, and I'm going to get you as a I kid. was really, I was like, you know what? This is this is all a fiction, but I'm loving the adulation. And then and then you encourage people to at me. And I was like, no, 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 no. Stop that. And, and what Dalton will do is he will get you a, a, a microphone cover so you don't have lips like mine. I'm going to box both of you. <laughs> I'm going to box both Let's of you. Let's do it. So, but we do this thing uh, because we do want to share it with you. Wait, hang on, hang on. Who else wants to just like go to boxing class now? Buddy, every day of my life. All the yeah. time, yeah. Boxing gyms are expensive. That's why yeah, I, they are. I do Tai Chi instead. Yeah, it's, it's much less expensive. Yeah. yeah. And we do get to punch each other, so that's also fun. But anyway, we're having this conversation as we have it, um, as we would have it with or without you, dear listener. But we're doing it with you because we want to have a conversation that is uh, bigger and broader than just the three of us. We do that via those magical means known as social media. So, Dalton, tell them how they can connect. Well, uh, first and foremost, uh, don't. Just get off social media. Stop it right now. You don't need it. It's bad for you. It hurts sometimes, but sometimes you need it. Uh, when you're off the internet, though, that's a good time. And uh, spend that time with your friends. And when you're telling your friends about the things you like, maybe mention the show. That We would really appreciate that. That's a, a huge, uh, a great thing you can do for us to help encourage uh, just people to check out the show and see what we're about. Uh, we would love it if you did that. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us directly, though, uh, you can go on over to Twitter at at good underscore trash. Once again, that is at good underscore trash. Uh, and then all of our individual Twitter tags are up there in that um, bio if uh, you want to get at one of us individually. Um, it's, it's a good place for anything. Uh, if you want to ask us questions about the production of the show, um, ask us uh, about movies, ask us about uh, release schedules, you know, whatever. Uh, if you have questions, let us know. 
Uh, if you have long-form feedback, you can hit us at GoodTrashGenreCast. That's the name of this show that we're doing right now at gmail.com. And uh, let us know, yeah, if you've got uh, a take on the film that's different from ours or anything, uh, just let us know. We're out there. Uh, we're on Facebook, too. We don't really use that that much. That's Facebook.com forward slash GTM. It's there. We'll, we'll see it eventually. Um, we're we're more active on Twitter, let's be honest. Uh, you can also just go check out the archives and the written content at GoodTrashMedia.com. Uh if you are so inclined to the show, as you may or may not have noticed, has no ads. We don't do that. Uh, we tried it one time. didn't work out very well. Um, it was more trouble than it's worth, frankly. Uh, but if you are interested in helping support the show, just go over to Patreon. It's patreon.com forward slash GTM because uh, that's not just for this show. It's the whole Good Trash Media Network. Uh, we, uh, you know, helps keep the lights on. We uh, share equipment with the praise down. We're in the process of maybe helping them get some of their own stuff. So if you've always thought about being a patron and you're like, yeah, it's probably fine. Well, you know what? Now's a good time. It's as good time as any. This is the closest thing we're going to do to pledge drive anytime soon. So, uh, yeah, we're working on getting some new gear for those praise down uh, peeps because they're wonderful people and make great stuff. Uh, if you're thinking, what do I get out of this? Well, the answer is content, obviously. What else would you want? Uh, so you got, we got details for you, again, over at patreon.com forward slash GTM. Last but not least, blah, 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 rate, review, subscribe. You know how that deal works. You've listened to a podcast before. Don't forget it, though. It's important. All righty. Well, thank you very much for that, Mr. Dalton Stewart. I think now it's time to play the game. Time to play the game. Time to play the game. And we're back. And this week's game are films we'd like to see made into legacy sequels. That's right. Films we wish had legacy sequels. Brought to you by Creed. Creed. You already heard me say it. It's the gold standard for legacy sequels. So, yeah, obviously that's what we're going to do. Yeah, I mean, well, we already yeah, I, we already threw the pitch for the game out, honestly, like way early. So here we go. I'm excited to hear what my dear co-hosts have to say um, about all of this good stuff. Um, there's a lot of glut of remakes and, uh, you know, reboots and that kind of stuff happening right now in Hollywood. And uh, we are going to contribute to the glut. Yeah, yes. Hollywood, listen to our show. You're going to get some great ideas. Send us a check. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll be even. We'll call it fair. So I am, I'm curious. So we'll, we'll see what we're going to have said. I'm going to go to you first, Arthur. What would you like to see made as a legacy sequel? Are we going around, round, round, round? I might as well. Yeah. Okay. I just wanted to make sure, before I got ahead of myself, I just wanted to clear the air. Sometimes you throw a curveball with pops. Um, he does that sometimes. Um, so my first one, this is, uh, in honor of Dalton and, uh, this is a, uh, and it's kind of been rumored to get a, a re- remake anyway, but, uh, just think about this, this legendary bouncer who's been going city to city. Of course he's probably hooked up a few times with Are, some ladies around the country. And let's just imagine he had a, a child and this child just grew up in detention centers and group homes and and uh, just kept getting into trouble and just really like going to clubs and not letting people in and uh, as a kid you know boy scouts or you know girl scouts and uh, you know the other kids tried to get into the club and they just wouldn't let them and uh, he forgot the most important <laughs> lesson arthur <laughs> what's that Dalton? you got to be nice until it's time to not be nice <laughs> he never learned how to be nice that's right and he someone's got to teach him someone's got to teach him how to be nice uh, and so this is the the uh, Roadhouse uh, legacy sequel. Here's the problem: they already made one and they fucked it up. Well, oh, Roadhouse. They two? made a Roadhouse two. And is they, it the same? I mean, is they whiffed it. Yeah, it's Dalton's kid. Oh, they that's whiffed bad. it. Yeah, they, oh man. They should have created it. They should have had Sam Elliott come back. 
Swayze's past. R.I.P. Uh, love you, buddy. Um, Swayze. Or... Swayze's still alive, though. He could be, yeah, the Stallone character. Elliot. I, what did I say? Swayze. I said, kept saying Swayze. You're right. Sam Elliott, though, is still with us, thankfully. Uh, oh, <laughs> bless. I do miss that Swayze, though. Um, but yeah. Oh, thank you, Arthur. Yeah. That, that's the legacy sequel we need. It's the oh. one we deserve. That's excellent. That's excellent. And I have a related one eventually, so thank you for that. Mr. Dalton Stewart, what is your next pick? Um, my or your ne- first pick? My first pick, the next pick, which is my first pick. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't know what this would look like. I'm going to be honest. but I, So, look, the, it seems like the Marvel movies are uh, coming to the, the end of a uh, thing. They just did this uh, whole big uh, press event, the Marvel Universe 10 years thing, and uh, they made it pretty clear they're, they're going through some changes. And obviously, the plans are already like locked in. They know what they're doing next. They just haven't said it. But it seems like they are going to try to just keep continuing this fiction um, without resetting anything. And I think a legacy sequel is the way to go to reintroduce characters like uh, Thor and uh, Cap. And, you know, I, I think there's something interesting there. And, again, it seems like that might be the direction they're going. But uh, I think that's the wise move. Now, I think they should probably put versions of those characters on the shelf for a while. And when they bring it back, make it a big deal. Uh, very much like this, um, you know, having RDJ come back in 10 years when he's looking a little grayer. Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe do something like that. Because it seems like the right move for them. Uh, and again, you know, they've already got a plan going. But I think that could be interesting. Because, uh, look, they're going to keep making them. I Just accept it, guys. It's easy to be tired of them sometimes. I get there. I'm not there right now. I'm pretty pleased with how they've been going lately. And if i got to watch these movies, at least they're good. And I like that. I like that they're good because it would be so much worse if they were bad. You know, like those other movies with capes uh, that keep coming out. Yeah. So that, that's my first idea. All right. I like that very much. Thank you for that, Mr. Dalton. So I want to think about, again, the child of a deceased character. And the Swayze is strong with this. And I'd like to no. see Keanu come no. back. And Shut your teach Bodhi's son how See, to serve. And, that's what the, that's, and they fucked it up and made a remake instead. Yeah, uh, that's what they should do, though, right? It, it, it should be the point breaker or whatever it ends up. <laughs> Woo! What, Woo! Whatever it ends up being, that, that Bodhi middle, you know, Bodhi Jr., you know, Bodhi the second, whatever he ends up being, um, that he's got trouble. And the same as, as you mentioned earlier, very similar to Creed. He's getting into trouble, and there is a certain responsibility that uh, Keanu, who is now older and wisened, feels. And uh, Jonah, Utah, who after he quit the FBI, wrote the hit book Point Break. Yeah. And <laughs> it, it, it's tough because he got his dad killed. And also, he didn't get his dad killed, and he fired a gun in the air in anger and there's great love he has for this man and this also you know all the sort of same uh you know just father issues that go along with it i think and along with the backdrop of surfing uh i man yeah give me that give me that now i'd watch it yeah sounds like fun to me so there you go there's our first selection of picks arthur what's your next selection of picks (sighs) my next one follows a uh, hot shot hockey player who's made it into the big leagues he is a all-star hockey player started a family but he's kind of doesn't give him the attention he needs and his son really wants to play hockey and joins a peewee team and then through some circumstance of happenstance hot shot charlie conway has to go and become <laughs> the coach for his son's peewee hockey team oh god as he leads a new a new era of ducks to victory. Oh my god. In the Mighty Ducks. <laughs> Starring Emilio Estevez. Yes. Oh my god. Gordon Bombay returns. Gordon Bombay. Getting 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 lead credit and only appearing in one scene. 
Oh, my word. Oh, man, yeah. It's Joshua right. Jackson. Oh, you want, West of that's, yeah, you want just Joshua Jackson in that, yeah. that lead villain. You know what? Charlie Conway. He, I forgot the character names, Come to be on. honest with you. As soon as you said Gordon Bombay, I was like, oh, that's right. But, yeah. buddy, yeah. yeah. I would have watched that movie. Oh, yeah. I'm going to be and honest. You, and you got spots for all the old ducks. Averman, Goldberg. A lot of them are still working. The Bash Brothers. They never went anywhere. Most of Keenan. Keenan, baby. Yeah. yeah. Goldberg owns an old ice skating rink that was they it can two, Was it two or three in? that Keenan comes in? Two. Okay. When they're at the Junior Goodwill Games. Yeah. Yep. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, no, Arthur knows his Mighty Ducks. Baby. I have a very extensive knowledge <laughs> Did you of the ever Ducks? watch the Mighty Ducks cartoon show? The superhero ones? Yes. Some, it was weird. Yeah, it is. Space it, Ducks. Oh, yeah, it's very, it. very bizarre. I was just curious how, how deep that love runs. Yeah. <laughs> he, he knows his brand. <laughs> I know what I'm about. Outstanding. All right, well, thank you very much for that, Mr. Arthur Gord. Mr. Dalton Stewart, what's your next selection? Uh, my next selection, and again, I want to be clear. Not all these are things I totally hope for. It's more of a... If they're gonna insist on doing it, this is the, the Lego sequel route is the way to go, right? Right. Um, one franchise that uh, they won't let die, even though it probably should. And I, it pains me to say this, but uh, gotta let the Terminator go, guys. It's not working out. We 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 we've tried so many different ways to do it, and it hasn't worked. We even tried a little bit of a Lego sequel with Genesis. Mm. Um, didn't work. We gotta, we gotta figure something else out. And I don't know what it looks like, but I feel like Lego sequel is the way to go because uh, they've already announced they are gonna do another one. They, they, they insist on trying. I, I know, Dustin, that was the correct face to make. I agree. Uh, but if they're gonna insist on trying, Lego sequel is probably the safest bet at this point. So that's that's my next pick is the Terminator franchise. Excellent. I like that idea very much. So I'm thinking about some great 70s films, right? Yep. And uh, that... The son of Bonnie and Clyde? The son of Bonnie and Clyde <laughs> meets Frankenstein. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's what that sounded like to me just then. <laughs> and the Wolfman has a cameo. <laughs> yes. Now, um, I, and it, there was an attempt to sort of legacy sequel this a little bit, but it kept on with the same characters. And I'm looking at Francis Ford Coppola's The Godfather. Mm-hmm. That what we need to do is uh, Michael's got some kids. Yeah. And uh, the fact that, you know, uh, what's happened with organized crime, it is not what it once was. The Italian crime families are not what they used to be. It's a whole different world. It's a whole different... Now, would you make... Could you make the argument that Godfather Part 3 is a legacy sequel in its own right? Uh, no, because it's still just Michael's story. Okay. It's still the same story, and it's, and it's played by Al Pacino. Okay, fair so enough. So I, I, want, I want to see his son in a crumbling empire, and there is an opportunity to sort of get security again for his family, but it requires him to cross that line that he said he was never going to cross because I'm not going to be like my dad. I'm going to get into music, and this is my life. This is what I'm going to be, and that they keep pulling him in and and then do that thing. You know what might be more interesting? What's that? Um, is he accident? It's not even the Italian crime thing. Uh, he, uh, I'm workshopping this with you, right? So okay. he, the musician thing just never really worked out, mm. and he turns to a life of crime because he, the music's not paying the bills. Is what I know. And at first, it's a little bit, and, it's a little something, and it just like it snowballs and gets out of hand, right? right? What if he gets into a baking reality TV series? Now we're talking, and has to uh, rely on his cannoli skills. Son of a bitch. To save the family. Oh, my yeah. God. Leave the he gun, goes, take the cannoli. He goes on MasterChef. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sorry. Thank you, Arthur. Wow. But, uh, yeah, I'd like to see a Godfather movie. Uh, you know, and, like, The Last Godfather. I mean, we could call it just, like, The Last Jedi kind of thing. And this is... This <laughs> <laughs> but, seriously, this is the end of this sort of form of organized crime and trying Michael. to... 
hang on to the threads of it. And, of course, it's not going to work because that, that sort of business model no longer um, is functional. And uh, just the horrors of dealing with that and uh, dealing with some of the old, uh, you know, uh, OGs <laughs> from the day that cannot seem to adapt either. I think that'd be interesting. So uh, there you go, dear listener. That's our next selection of picks. Uh, do we have another round of picks? Yes, Mr. Arthur Gordon, what is your next and final selection? Well, I do anyway. Um, I, my other two are really fun, but I think this third one could actually be of some substance and, and, and uh, cultural commentary, uh, much like Creed. I think Creed is a, a really you know poignant uh, legacy sequel that does a lot of genre stuff, but it does a lot of just social commentary that's really good. And, and, and I think you could do something with The Truman Show where Kristoff oh, yeah. tries to replicate his experiment, but it, with the advent of social media and this uh. constant streaming uh, kind of world that we live in now, you know, maybe playing with some ideas from like a Black Mirror or The Circle or things like that, you know, he's, he's trying to replicate this. And I think it could do, you know, do a lot of the same stuff as The Truman Show, um, but really following Kristoff and trying to figure out more what he's about and, and trying to re recreate the magic of the Truman Show from the original film. I like that idea very much, actually. That's, that sounds awesome to me. Yeah, no, that sounds ama- yeah. amazing and really comes into my, my next pick. What is it? Uh, another discussion of... The Matrix. Yeah, obviously. Thank you, Arthur. Yeah, Arthur's right. Here's the thing. Again, I've, I've made peace with the fact that Warner Brothers is insisting on making more Matrix movies, right? I've made peace with Matrices. It. Matrices. I've also made peace with the fact that they're not bringing back the Wachowskis as far as we know. And I was really mad about that for a while. And I finally have come to peace with it because I see in the Matrix the potential for a legacy. And they're, I, I think they need, if they're not going to bring back the Wachowskis, really go full in with it. Don't make this Morpheus prequel we keep hearing about. Although, if it does also star Michael B. Jordan, as has been rumored, yeah. I'm there for it. But maybe go, and again... D. Reese's Morpheus. Oh, and that's the thing. And that's where I'm getting at. Arthur! That's where I'm getting to, yeah. Buddy, that's the thing. Okay, if we don't get to have the Wachowskis back, let's embrace that. Let's really make this about giving this franchise to a new generation of filmmakers who who, who have a passion for this universe and yeah. want to tell these stories. Yeah. Because there is, you know, when we're talking about what does it mean to be a person? Uh, what is the point of a life well lived? What are the limits of freedom and how much can you organize society without it becoming another system of control these are things in these these films and that's that's why i always go to bat for reloaded and revolutions because they they ask the question what really what what what's another system of control like isn't the fight against systems of control just another false narrative and that's why i, I like the the sequel so much even though they they have a lot of missteps as they try to complicate that mythology and that's what you could do with the – that's what the Legacy sequel does, right? It complicates mm-hmm. the mythology of the existing story. That's what Creed does so effectively is it complicates the mythology of Rocky. And, and that's what we could get out of this franchise if Warner Brothers is going to go ahead and insist on making more of it. So I, I say ditch the prequel idea. It's, it's old hat. We don't do that anymore. We know better because it just turns into a real gross uh, fanfic thing. Plus – Lawrence and Keanu and uh, Carrie Fisher are all still working and are, are of the age now where it would be cool to see them in that. Uh, I mean, they're not obviously uh, up there with uh, our, our dearly departed uh, Carrie Fisher and, you know, uh, are still very much with us, uh, Harrison Ford and, uh, and Mark Hamill. Uh, but, you know, they are getting on later parts of their careers. They're doing different work. I mean, Lawrence is playing a granddad on TV now. Yeah. Keanu's still insisting on doing action movies and is doing it quite well. 
uh, Carrie's in, in these uh, dumb Marvel TV shows, which, okay, they're fine, but I, I, she deserves better. And even if it is franchise work, I feel like there's interesting stories to tell here. Um, well, if Keanu comes back, it's going to be as a ghost or something, right? I mean, I don't know what that would look like. Spoiler alert for a 12-year-old movie nobody gives a shit about. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's my last pick. I think you could do something interesting with those uh, Dadgum Matrix movies, man. Uh, Dustin, what about you? You got anything left for us? All right, so, yeah, I've got one last pick. And one of the things about the Legacy sequel is that it does this uh, race-bend, gender-bend thing that's sort of common with them. Well, and, you know, it's helpful. As we're trying to uh, make our stories and our, our art more inclusive, it's, uh, it's an easy way to go back and go, hey, you know, we could have done something better with this in the past. And, and this brings us back to sort of gangster movies of gangster guys doing gangster stuff, right? And there are always interesting female characters, and there are indeed great female directors. And... Um, um, I'm thinking about a particular film in which uh, the lives of various gangsters sort of intersect in interesting ways, and we follow them, and they are the main freight carriers of the film. And this particular director has proven himself to be something of a D-bag, and uh, so I'm not real keen on him, and I definitely think uh, the producer has proved himself to be something of a monster. What I want to see is the prequel to Pulp Fiction, where we follow the life of Mia Wallace, we follow the life of Honey Bunny, we follow the life of Bruce Willis's girl friend whose character name escapes me right now and we see how they come to meet these particular men and the intersections of their lives bringing them in directed by one of these great up-and-coming female directors um, but definitely not in any way connected to the Weinstein company so however we can work that Disney movie out uh, because Disney did have the rights at the time that's the thing I want to see happen you know what I thought you were going to say is uh yeah, fuck that guy. Let Uma Thurman make another Kill Bill. Well, well, yeah, or Uma Thurman directs. Yeah, you know this particular film, uh, which would be all right with me. Or Rose McGowan, who is a director in her own right of some significant talent. I actually thought you were going to say Jackie Brown. Oh, fuck. oh give me that. Oh, fuck. <sighs> and that's the thing. Uh, so th- this is the official good trash media stance, and I'm not afraid to say that. Uh, fuck Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, a little bit. Um, just uh, look. We've said some nice things about him in the past, and I feel the need to go ahead and rectify that. Uh, I liked his movies. His movies are still good, and I think you can still, just because art becomes problematic doesn't mean you have to stop talking about it. It just means that's the new conversation. Mm-hmm. And all conversations about that art have to be framed in that context, I think. And this is the way to stick a thumb in his eye, and I'm all yeah. for it. Right? Hell yeah. And uh, so, yeah, turn it on its head, and let, instead of the, the sort of ghostbustery kind of thing that, what, that happens sometimes, we can just tell the same story all over again. Let's continue with the property that's interesting and uh, do things that might, you know, uh, please some fans, but let's focus on the other side of it. And then maybe, you know, I don't deal with the misogyny a little bit, yeah? Mm-hmm. That'd be a thing. Yeah. And so I'm all for that. So there you go, dear listener. Those are our legacy sequel picks, unless Arthur's got a last final cream of the crop selection. Hollywood, which is handwritten. Like n- nine movies for you. Just just get them into production and give us some money for it. That's all I'm asking. Yeah, small royalty. That's all. That's all I want. I'll, I'll, Maybe a credit. Honestly, I don't know. You can have all the money. Just give us the ancillary market stuff for the rentals. Maybe we could become a production company. Like like uh, we're the new A24. We're the new Bloomhouse. Like we're we're just like a production distribution company. That's all I've ever wanted. Good Trash presents. It's, I was at, literally. All I I've saw ever the wanted. trailer for something uh, yesterday uh, as a horror movie. Um, that Bloomhouse is putting out, but Bloomhouse is above the title. Like they've become a tour. Like yeah, man. Bloomhouse. It's like Bloomhouse is yada yada yada. Yeah. I can't remember what the movie was. Yes. Yeah, hopefully Jason Bloom doesn't turn out to be. That's his first name, right? I don't know. Sounds oh, right. That sounds right. Uh, 
here, here's hoping that doesn't that that apple doesn't sour because uh, uh, I'm yeah. I'm really pleased. Like, look, um, and I know that that's really weird thinking, but it's hard not to sometimes. Like, you see so many people you admire make mistakes, it just becomes really disheartening at times, and it's it's hard to have heroes anymore. Uh, but yeah, man, they they put out good ass genre art, man, and uh, I'm there for it. Have you seen the teaser poster for the new Purge movie? No. It's just yeah. a red hat that says Make America Purge Again on oh a white background. My word. And Purge, colon, the first, the, or the first Purge is just what it's called. Oh. Yeah, it's called The First Purge. And the, t- the goddamn teaser poster is just Make America Purge Again. Man, that's yeah. something. Yeah. I mean, the, sec- the third movie uh, was just as in your face with its marketing. But, uh, man, they really took it to a next level. That is something. I think it was Truth or Dare. Maybe that was the one that's the Bloomhouse movie. That sounds awesome. I don't know anything about this. Uh, it's uh, somehow, I don't know the, the whole premise, but they were in the, they're like in, it's, it's like It Follows, but with Truth or Dare, like you have to play Whoa. the game. I'm there die. for it. I'm there. Yeah. And, and you have to do, if you pick Truth, you have to do it. Or you, if you pick Dare, you have to do the Dare. Uh, and then it gets to a point where you just, you can't choose. You have to do whatever the game wants you to do. Oh, no. Uh, yeah. So it's, it's interesting. Sounds like fun to me. Well, there you go, dear listener. Um, Dalton is now showing me this poster, and that is that's awesome. the poster for uh, the third Perch year. movie. That's awesome. Yeah. So I mean, they've yeah they've been at this for a bit. Yeah. So um, there you go, dear listener. Um, we have Hollywood ideas. You can give us more Hollywood ideas via those magical means of social media. But now I believe it is definitely time to get down to business. Yes, indeedy, dear listener, we are back, and we are ready to bring some analysis right now of that film, Creed. Did you take out the recycling? I did not take out the recycling. Oh. I'm, it's not part of the foreplay, though, I'm told. It's just very important. Okay. Well, I guess we can go ahead and proceed. Okay. Yeah, no, that's all right. I, we, can, we can soldier on anyway. <laughs> soldier on, which is <laughs> going to be the new euphemism. I thought I was getting a headache, but I guess uh, we can go ahead. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, there is so much to talk about in this film. Well, I guess let's just begin with the basic, right? Let's talk about the race bending of this film and its commentary on race. Well, it does it does so so deftly because it navigates what class means uh, it, in boxing. It it really the the conversations that uh, I feel like the film's having with race are so entwined with the the privilege that Donnie Johnson got so early in his life mm-hmm. uh, and how. He has some like working class guilt about this, some lower class guilt about that. It, does that make sense? Yeah, a little bit. Um, you know, anytime somebody, you know, the the time that uh, pretty Ricky Conlon says a thing about calls him Silver Spoon, he's like, "You don't know who I am." Right. Whoa, yeah. whoa, whoa. Hey, bud, you don't know me. And you don't first, know what I've been through. The first twelve years of his life are definitely very much working class. You know, he, I mean, it's yeah, bad. Bad. It's yeah. rough. Yeah. And so, yeah, it, it does this weird and interesting thing. And I, what I found really interesting is that, yes, that is where the tension is, and that's where the story comes in boxing. And what um, the advantage that Conlon has is that he has had the microphone and the camera for so long that he has been able to construct his image. Yeah. And uh, what Creed doesn't have, what, what Adonis doesn't have, he doesn't have the sort of backstory of this. This is simply Apollo Creed's kid. Yeah, and he doesn't want that. It, yeah. it's, it's that struggle of... Um, I wanted. I was intentionally trying to avoid that, and mm. it's realizing that that comes out of a fear of, uh, 
of what that legacy might mean. And then everyone just sort of assumes they know everything about you now. Yeah. You know, and so it is very troubled for him because um, his, his background is very, very working class. He does have this great, awesome moment where uh, Mrs. Creed, Mary Jane? Marianne. 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 Um, where she, Felicia Rashad, is able to take him into her home. And it is a luxurious, amazing, you know, home. Absolutely it is. And uh, so she's got this great opportunity that she's been able to give him, and he's, he's driving a, around this mid sixties Stang. That yeah, working a at a brokerage firm. For, for, you know, I mean, yeah. he's, he's had opportunities since then, but that does not deny the moments that were going on before that, yeah. right? And, and again, that sort of working class guilt. You know? like the, well, and it's, uh, there is something about uh, look. I'm when I say I love this movie and I think it's great, I'm not exaggerating. There is some sort of. Um, you know, Prince coming off the mountain type thing, right? He's like, I have all this shit and I didn't work for it. And it's not fair. And again, that's very much subtext. It's never spoken like that in the film. But I I feel like for me, that's part of what works about this, that sequence when he says, look, Marianne, I love you. I'll call, but I got to go. And and, and she says, you're going to go. Don't call. Mm -hmm. Uh, And he he has to accept that and go, okay, I'm going to do it anyway. I have to give up everything that I have, including this great relationship, the woman who raised me and say, I have to do this for myself. I have to do this my own way. And I, I think that that is the moment for me when the film really opens up yeah. and becomes something so much more than it's been in the first 20 minutes. And again, that first 20 minutes is great. Uh, you know, the splashy title cards when he's at uh, the gym with Wood Harris, uh, who uh, I, I can't remember the name of his character, but he's playing Adonis's old trainer's son. Um, and, and I love that scene where he reminds him, hey, man, you don't have to do this. These kids don't have a choice. The kids in here are fighting to live you're fighting to prove something. And he's like, no, I'm not. It's just who, and that's, that's the thing that he runs up against is no one will teach him how to do this thing that he feels in his bones. And it's not about proving anything to, to Adonis or uh, to Apollo. And that, that is where it came from originally, but he's realized it's crystallized for him. It's about him. Mm-hmm. And he, he has to do this for himself because it means so much to him. And uh, he just keeps getting blocked at every turn. And I, I really love the way that the film complicates that with, the idea of of where he came from, what he's gotten through birth, what he wants to do on his own. I just, I love the way it it weaves that narrative. Yeah, absolutely. Now, here's the thing I want to talk about, because there was, um, you know, as you form hypotheses as you're watching movies and you're expecting certain things to happen, and uh, Rocky ends up becoming his trainer. And I was deeply afraid that what we were simply going to experience was a reversal of the Magic Negro. Oh, yeah, that had been unpleasant. You know, and that it was going to, that Rocky was going to give him the magic to do the things. Yeah. And it was going to be Rocky's ability to do things. There's a moment in that uh, first sort of real fight uh, where he kind of cracks the code. This is what you need to do in order to win the fight. Uh, Michael B. Jordan does exactly what Stallone tells him, and he knocks the guy out. And I thought, oh, great. So Rocky's going to have all the magic spells, and it's going to be sort of just riding Rocky's knowledge and experience and that kind of stuff. And that's how um, this young man is going to be able to do it because he's got the help of the uh, very, very powerful white wizard, you know, on his side. It, it was going to sort of function. Get off the grave. Well, and I think it complicates that. It though, does. And it before does, it, it even gets it. there. Yeah. Because it's uh, in the lead up to that fight with uh, Leo, I think is that, that other boxer's name. Yes. Yeah. Where he says, why are we coming to here? Like, why are we coming to Front Street Gym? Like, I'm, you're training me. He goes, trust me, I'm still training you. But these guys can teach you things that I can't teach you. I yeah. don't, I'm too old. Like, my body doesn't work super good. I don't know these things. I had to have other people teach me these things. I, I can't teach them to you. This is where you got to learn this. Yeah. Uh, so even before it gets to that moment. But you're right, though. It does go, oh, wait a second. Does Rocky have all the secret knowledge all along? And it doesn't. It complicates that, right? right? Because uh, it opens up this 
this scene that I love so early in the film is really when Rocky first comes in where he goes and sees Adrian and Polly every day. Mm. Yeah. And you realize that as he's talking to them, it, it's not about not wanting to be in the boxing world anymore. It's about not wanting to let somebody else in again. Mm-hmm. He, yeah. he's, he's buried everybody he loves, and he knows yeah. that this is going to mean his life is going to start a new chapter. That's scary. Yeah. Um, and I love the way that in that moment, that w- that's where the turn happens, right? Is after that fight with Leo is where their relationship gets put to the test. And it's the ways that those earlier scenes get really opened up after that fight with Leo that I think what Sylvester Stallone's role in this film really kind of crystallizes and becomes clear is after that fight. Absolutely. And, and, and it is the sort of fatherly kind of role that he ends up settling into but what ends up happening is it is indeed adonis's own willpower and ability that gets him through in the last fight that mm-hmm. rocky wants to throw the match and yeah. i think that's an important move that it this is like this is over you are beat kid mm-hmm. and there is nothing else i can give you and he digs down and he finds what's necessary to do well what we can say now is to go ahead and lose the match but to complete yeah. all 12 rounds well and right. it's not even uh, the thing that i really like um is in that moment where he says i shouldn't have told i shouldn't have helped you cheat the ref we're going to stop this and he goes, no, I'm going to do it. It's not just his willpower. It's, it's again, their friendship. Him checking in goes, okay, if we're going to do this, you're going to go out there and kick his ass. Yeah. You're going to put him on the mat if we're going to do this. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to let you get yourself hurt for no reason. Yeah. And uh, I really love that moment where he goes down that 12th round and just smokes Conlon. Yeah, it's, it's good stuff. So, I mean, yeah, it's a very, very powerful thing. Now, I want to talk about something a little bit more formal for just a second. And apparently some hink has been made about this. I haven't seen the film before today. And the one thing that I was very, very struck by is that this is not Raging Bull. This is not the original Rockies in the term of the way the formal aspects of the fight themselves are put together. Particularly the fight down in Tijuana and the first fight against Leo. These fights are done in a single, long take yeah which is not how you shoot boxing boxing has been shot um not uh, there's 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 quite a bit of cutting for the last fight but i think it's because of uh kugler's sort of desire to to imitate kugler kugler excuse me uh to imitate the style of espn yeah right a little bit well and also i mean it's a 12 round fight i mean the other two fights are shorter so i mean you don't want to do a 12 round long take yeah, yeah that's, it'd be a little. That's str- another movie. That's, a, that's a whole hour yeah. <laughs> or more yes. minimum. Yeah. Well, what I want is a four round fight and then single take is what I want. But oh, that'd be cool, man. Oh, buddy, yeah, that would be good. But I get how that's limitate. There's limitations that are yeah. there, and and so that that's that's totally fine, and I, I I excuse that. But even then, though, the cutting there is not montage. It's yeah. not montage style in the same way that you no. see in Raging Bull or the montage style that you see in the original Rocky or Rocky II. That it's, it's a very different kind of thing. And it does give, uh, I think, a greater sense of realism that we are not just simply watching this sort of mythic American story, although it is absolutely that. But you're watching an actual human being living and breathing that you sort of understand you've been living in their bones uh, for the last 90 minutes of the film and that they are experiencing this fight. And yeah. I think it's a brilliant decision. You know, following Bazan, that the long take increases realism and uh, it's a winner of a choice. Yeah, uh, uh, you know, obviously that that montage technique adds a lot of emotional element, right? Because you can emphasize the impact of certain points. But this is, uh, you know, it, it it adds to the realism, and I think it also lets you allows you to kind of get in there and kind of just see how good he is. Uh, and I think it's it's a lot more of of a showcase for all the performers, not just not just uh, 
Jordan, but all the the boxing talent that they've got in here and letting you kind of see how these guys work and and the fluidity of their movement and how they kind of you know do their dance and and I think it adds you know it really builds their realism. Um, but I, I think it's just his way of kind of subverting what we expect from these boxing movies. It, it also allows it to stay fresh. Uh, it mm-hmm. lets you know right away we're not watching the same old thing, uh, which I think is important, uh, especially with the le- the legacy aspect of this to kind of put his footprint down immediately. And it's also interesting because he shoots the two matches differently, right? When we're in Tijuana, he's outside the ropes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's shooting the thing outside the ropes, and we're seeing it play out um, before he moves into the ring later, and we see we get in the ring with him. And I can't remember the actual – when he's at the uh, the the training gym in Hollywood when he goes in there to – Yes. I can't yeah. remember. He's in the ring, I think, that time. I, yeah. yeah, I think the camera's in the ring for those. Yeah, those, those are those single fights. take. And there is an uh, – there's an imitation for Scorsese move, but rather than yeah. doing it as a cut, there is a – when he gets knocked down, the camera is knocked over on the tripod. Yeah, so him, good. It's such a good which, shot. Which is Ugh. also used in Raging Bull, yeah. but it's a cut that gets us there. Yeah. It's a single sustained shot it, that brings us yeah, there. It's gorgeous. It works so yeah. much better. It's a subversion of, of the boxing form, and that's why when when – the moments you expect come, they work so much better uh, because we've already spent so much time living with Donnie on his shoulder for so much of the movie that when we make these more um, traditional choices like um, the montage and running down the street and hearing the Rocky theme, that comes late in the movie. I mean, that's right before the final fight. And it's the moment where it it reminds you, this is a story about one man, but you have to remember that people's individual stories are the stories of the hu- human condition writ large. That's mm-hmm. why we tell each other stories about each other is because it reminds you of your own life and, and, and how we are all part of this big narrative. It's not just about one person. And that's why I like that when the film moves back, right, takes a step back and becomes shot in the style of HBO boxing a little bit. I mean, they get inside the ring a lot in that final fight, but there's these cutaways to HBO documentaries early in the film. You get Leah Schreiber doing the narration on HBO boxing 24 7 yeah you get um oh, i can't think of his name but uh the really famous hbo boxing commentator I, who is uh doing color commentary on yeah. the fight like i love those choices because it's after we spent all this time with donnie we do take a step back mm-hmm. we get to see his you know his mom marianne watching at home and you get to see how this story how donnie's choices in the life that he has led are echoing throughout the world and Potentially inspiring other kids. Leading to this moment of spectacle. Yeah, this fictional character is being used to represent what boxing can mean in our lives because there is something to the fact that we all pay money to watch two real people really hurt each other. Uh, that's, yeah. that's sports. We watch real people really do a thing, and there are stories there. As much as you hear you know, me joke around about how I don't care about sports on the show, I do like sports movies a lot, actually. Yeah. I think there's some really great ones. Um, and, and I like to see the ways in which we, we play with these narratives and what they mean about who we are and, and the stories we tell each other. And again, that's why I like that the film waits for so long to stop being super hyper-realistic and very kind of shot more like a Fruitvale Station, more like an independent film, and then become a big Hollywood movie in the second act. It's yeah. just such a great stylistic choice. And so what we see there in that last match is basically continuity editing, right? It is this, that, yeah. then that, and this is the simultaneity yeah. that we're experiencing there. But there is a moment of dialectical montage mm-hmm. where image A plus image B equals idea C, right? And that is the moment of the knockout, which brings <sighs> the knockdown. us... The knockdown, excuse me. Yeah. Yes, the knockdown. 
Well, he's knocked out. I mean, he is unconscious. Yeah, he's completely he's, out. He's You're completely right. unconscious. And then he comes back to consciousness after uh, a series of images, which culminates in the image of uh, his father, Carl Weathers' performance as Apollo Creed. And this brings us to the last thing that we really need to talk about, which is this film and Fathers and Sons. Mm. Yeah, man. So I don't even know where to begin other than I cried a lot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, for, let's quick digression. Uh, what's, the, what's the tear scene of the movie for you? I mean, there's a lot of times that this movie gets me choked up. For me, it's that Carl Weathers image. It's the, and him, I'm, him I'm shooting up. Yeah. I'm not a mistake yeah. for you guys. It's a mistake. Yeah. Um, for, for me, that, that starts the waterworks. It gets me going. And in that moment with Carl Weathers, just like, boom, hits me in the chest. Because it is that moment of, like, sometimes this guy that you have this complicated relationship with, you think about him and it helps you dig deeper. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, and it, it's the way, and I, I guess I will go ahead and use this to, since you weren't sure where to start, Dustin, I, I'll go ahead and get us going, I think, with um, the moment where Rocky helps him refocus what this relationship with his father uh, mm-hmm. means. Look, he's gone. You can't, you got to let it go. You got to let it go. Because when you step in that ring, that's who you're fighting every single time. It's not about him. It's about you. And it can't, it can't be about him because he's gone. Like, you don't get to have that relationship. And that's okay. That's fine. Yeah, there's this moment early on when he first meets up with Rocky and dealing with that idea that other people know your dad better than you because yeah. of your estrangement. And that you don't have the firsthand knowledge that other yeah. people have. And so he's talking about his dad and saying, well, maybe he wanted to go out like this. Maybe he wanted to die doing what he loved. And Rocky looks and speaks with such sensitivity and, and care, but also with absolute authority saying, I think maybe he'd rather be here talking to you about this yeah. right now. And, you know, for me in a situation where, you know, that estrangement is real, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, to, and to say that, you know, really the authorities on who my dad is, they're not me. Yeah. And to, to, to sort of, you know, there, there are, these moments come in waves for all of us, I'm sure. But there is that moment of realization like, you know what, I don't – the person I should know better than anybody else on the planet – is my dad. And you know yeah. what? No, he sees a mystery to me. He's an ocean to me. He's an undiscovered country to me. And all I've got is somebody else's maps. And mm. uh, that moment when he's figuring out, and all I got, the only map I got is Rocky's map. Is It, it, it is complicated. And um, there's a whole generation, multiple generations of uh, young men, young women that have to wrestle with the question of, you know what? I have to give myself over to the knowledge someone else has as to who my parent was. It's tough. And that's for obvious reason, uh, reasons, a narrative that I think speaks very deeply to all three of us. Um, yeah. You know, Dustin, I mean, we, we're personal on the show. I'm not, but you know, I won't speak for you guys. I was about to speak for both of you and that's rude, uh, but just as I best I can speak for myself, like I, I had to, you know, Recently, for my father's 70th birthday, we're going to get a uh, real personal experience on this one. Uh, I went out to dinner with my family, uh, my adopted dad, Lynn, um, just to clarify. And uh, we just had a really great conversation about what he means to our family uh, and what him coming into our family means for my sister and I and my mom and uh, um, the ways in which he has not replaced my, uh, my biological father, but the ways in which he has helped me uh, better quantify that relationship, help me better understand and help me better understand what... Uh, what dads do uh, and, and what their job is and uh, help, help me understand that there's lessons to be learned from all relationships. Uh, and sometimes the best lesson you can learn is you can't fight somebody who's not there. You can't ask questions of somebody who's not there. 
all you can do is accept the knowledge that other people can give you about that person and accept the roadmaps that other people give you, yeah. as Dustin's just so wisely said. Um, because at the end of the day, every time you step in uh, to that ring, and obviously in this movie and in life, the ring is a metaphor for life. Every time you step out in the world, there's only one person you're fighting, and that's you. Anytime you try to fight somebody else, anytime you try to start shit with somebody else, you're starting it with yourself, man. It's, it's yeah. not about that other person. You're, you're wrestling with your own yeah. stuff, and you're putting that on somebody else. And that's, that's why I do like the scene, to, to jump back to a conversation we were having earlier about that second act break and the relationship with uh, Tessa Thompson's character, who her character name escapes me. Uh, but she gets in the fight. He gets in the Bianca, fight. Bianca, right? Bianca, Bianca thank yeah. you. Yeah. He gets in the fight uh, at the club Bianca show. Uh, and that yeah. seems not about that guy. That guy, and that guy says, "I called you Baby Creed, like out of respect, man. Yeah. Like I was trying to respect like where you come from. Like I, I was yeah. deferring to you. I'm not trying to start shit." And Donnie can't let it go. Yeah. It, it hurt. It, that that wound is so deep, and especially coming off of you know this argument that he had with Rocky. It's too raw to talk about. And and sometimes, as Dustin said, there's a, a lot of people in this world that have to navigate that feeling. And when that feeling comes up, it's hard not to take that shit out on other people and make it their problem. But you're always fighting yourself, man. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, and there's, I mean, I don't know how much more I want to even want to talk about this. But that's what I got to say about yeah, it anyway. Yeah. It, 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 but it is, it is really um, a very truthful um, wrestling with the question of dealing with this father that you don't know and, uh, re- you know, having to recognize that other knowledge, yeah. having to deal with a surrogate that is good, but also not what you wanted, right? That This idea that you still always want something else, something different. You wish things were other than they were. And it's certainly some truth, the idea that it would be better if Apollo was still around. Yeah, I mean, that's obviously a better thing if Ivan Drago hadn't killed him in the ring. I mean... You know, a much better situation. Yeah. However, that's not the situation. And just sort of coming to grips with with the breaks as they are, you know. I mean, that is – that that's fundamentally the familial, the paternal, the maternal thing that people have to wrestle with, you know. And I, I'm watching this movie, and I'm not really so much thinking about my dad. I am a little bit. But I'm also thinking about my mom, who I didn't really know, and she's gone. Yeah. And – you know, and I have a mother replacement who has been wonderful, but she's not her. And it's tough, you know, and that sort of wrestling is much bigger than just a movie about people punching each other in the head, you know, and so it makes it to be a very, very powerful thing. So it's a movie I dig a lot. And there you go, dear listener. I think we've had a really, really fun conversation about this film called Creed, but we have to render a verdict. Um, Shelf or trash, else or instead with it. So I go to you first, Dalton. What do you say? Shelf trash. Else or instead? Shelf or trash? Uh, yeah, it's a shelfer. Uh, I looked back at my, my top films of 2015 list uh, when we were getting ready for the show, and Creed was my number four or five, I think. And look, I, I still stand behind Sicario as my number one, but I think I like Creed even better, mm. uh, honestly. Uh, it really speaks to me that deeply, and um, it moves me that deeply. And uh, I think what it's, it's getting at really does transcend the confines of a sports movie and it transcends the confines of a legacy sequel. It, it is its own film and it makes you so excited about the careers of everyone involved. Um, it makes you excited about uh, Sylvester Stallone's career again. It makes you excited to see Ryan Coogler is 31 years old, ladies and gentlemen. What am I doing? 31. Well, you know what? Hey, we, we all, we all uh, walk our own path. Um, but yeah, that's, that's incredible. That's such a journey uh, from Fruitvale station to Creed to, uh, this week's uh, Black Panther. Like, uh, I'm so excited for Ryan's career. I'm so excited for Michael B. Jordan's career because he's been 
blown us away since uh, he was uh, Wallace on The Wire. Mm. Um, where the fuck is Wallace Stringer? He's he's going for gold, baby. He's he's going for gold. He is going to be uh, him and Tessa Thompson both. Really, they're going to be two of the best actors of their of their generation of of my generation. Uh, and I feel very proud to say that. Uh, I, obviously, I don't know them, but I. It's nice to look at the actors that are my age and go, those are the actors of my generation. That's how good this year, this this block of filmmaking was mm-hmm. when when I was you know doing this dumb podcast uh, <laughs> and that makes me really happy just for their careers and it makes me happy that films that are this good exist so it's definitely on the shelf it's an all-time great film i like it that much what did you pair with it well uh i think you need some background on ryan coogler you got to go watch fruitvale station you need background on him and uh, michael b jordan's uh, artistic relationship uh and and how better do that than uh, their first uh, collaboration together fruitvale station the story of oscar grant the third uh, which is a great film that I have only seen the one time, and I, I need to try and revisit. I watched it uh, right before we recorded, and it is fantastic and heartbreaking. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to watch, but uh, it's important, and uh, not every story is created, unfortunately. And sometimes we got to talk about those stories and what they mean and what those people's lives mean and how important those people are and, and again, um, how important it is that we try to make sure everybody gets to be here as long as they can because everybody's valuable and everybody has something to contribute. Um, next up, The Phenom from 2016, uh, a film uh, from Noah Bushel, who I, I don't know uh, what all he has done, actually. Um, but uh, I'm a really big fan of this film uh, that he wrote and directed, starring J- Johnny Simpsons, uh, Ethan Hawke, and Paul Giamatti. Uh, what more do you need to know? Uh, yeah. uh, it came out in 2016, as I said. It, it, well, I'll go ahead and just read the synopsis for you real quick. A major league rookie pitcher loses control over his pitching and is set down with uh, sent down to the minor leagues, where he begins sessions with an unorthodox sports psychologist. In the process, uh, hidden conflicts with his overbearing father are brought to light. And again, it sounds pretty standard and yet is not, and does really interesting things, much like uh, Creed. Um, what else should you follow up with uh, Creed and Fruitvale Station and now The Phenom? Well, how about a, a step back... Uh, on Sly Stallone's career uh, and see other times that he's been good. Uh, and that's going to be 1997, I think, Copland, directed mm. by James Mangold, uh, who Arthur and I are big fans of uh, from uh, his last year's uh, Wolver- or Logan, rather, sorry. Um, Copland is great. Uh, it is uh, a Western, uh, like all James Mangold films, uh, so wisely pointed out by Priscilla Page over Birth Movie's Death. Uh, but it's a, it's a Western set in a New Jersey suburb. Uh, about a New Jersey suburb cop trying to wrangle in corrupt New York City cops that live in his town. Um, it's a great film. So uh, those are my recommendations. Uh, there were others that got left out, and hopefully uh, my, my beloved co-host will give those films that I thought about some love. All righty. Well, there you go. Thank you very much for that, Mr. Dalton Stewart. Mr. Arthur Gordon, what do you say? Shelf for trash, else for instead of Creed? Oh, we shelfing. Oh, yeah. we shelfing. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, it's, it's it's great. I think it works on a lot of levels. So yeah, it's it's definitely shovelable content. Um, with it, I I, I think I, I've got a, a a marathon to go with it. But I, I think uh, Warrior would be a good sports film yeah. to pair with it. I think Warrior is great. It Absolutely. covers all the same themes, you know, battling demons and the family stuff and fathers and things like that. Mm-hmm. I think they pair well. Uh, my other one is just about fathers and sons, or fathers and and children. And uh, I would say Logan. Uh, you could go with yeah. this. I'd say he got game. Uh, pairs well with this. He got game was the one I left off, and uh, and I'd say Tree of Life. Um, I think you put that yeah. trilogy together, and you're uh, not wrong. And uh, put that with uh, Creed, and you'd uh, probably be crying for for a while at the end of the day mm-hmm. for a long time. Yeah. A lot of tears. 
Good calls, good calls all the way around. Thank you for that, Mr. Arthur Gordon. I also say Shelf. This movie's real good, and I like it a lot. Um, I think you should watch The Wrestler with it. Okay. Um, That's good. I mean, I, I, it's a different sort of story. Uh, yeah, yeah. But, but it's, it's I think good. it's an interesting pair. Yeah, no, it's a good pick. And uh, dealing with some of the same sort of ideas and uh, what have you. I also think you really must watch the original Rocky. Uh, I, I just think uh, the ways in which it copies and apes some bits of it, but then flourishes in this sort of brilliant jazz of doing something else improvisationally, is, um, it, it's, just, it's too stellar to miss the comparisons. And so um, really you could watch the first Rocky. You can watch the second. That'd be fine because there's so many references to it. Um, and, and the you know the the uh, third fight um, that ends up happening at the end of Rocky Three, you just forget about it altogether, you know, um, because they talk about it enough in the film. Yeah. And so, but I think you know, first film for sure, maybe second film, but and, and to pair it with that, and then I just want you to invest yourself in some African American cinema uh, and wrestling with issues and the African American experience in a way that's deep. And, I, and if every chance I get, I'm going to talk about Charles Burnett's Killer of Sheep from 1977, uh, which is this sort of Italian neo realist film about Watts, and uh, it is fascinating and interesting. And uh, hard to find, but uh, a really, really just interesting film um, that, that is worth your time. And uh, to, to give, again, voice to filmmakers of color uh, is important. And uh, Killer Sheep is a masterpiece, and I recommend it really, really highly. So there you go, dear listener. Those are our recommends. Um, your syllabus just got a bit longer. Um, I have entirely forgotten what we're doing next. Arthur, just start talking. I'll, I will tell you because we're going from really good to really something else. Uh, <laughs> oh, boy. As next week, we're going to take on Aeon Flux as directed by Karen Kusama. Oh, man. Okay, see, now I'm excited. I forgot Karen Kusama directed yeah. this film. Okay, see, there's got to be something there, then. Aeon Flux. What is that? Have I seen this? I don't know. I think it's I hit around the same time as Ultraviolet. I'm pretty sure I saw Ultraviolet. It is Ultraviolet a live-action adaptation of an MTV anime starring Charlize Theron. Also with uh, Francis McDormand, uh, Sophie Okonedo, and Martin Sokas, uh, Johnny Lee Miller, Pete Puzzlethwaite. It's got Postle Thwaite and Johnny Lee Miller. Yeah. Shut up. This is stacked. This sounds good. It, apparently it's not. Apparently it's That not. is the word on the street. So we shall see because Karen Kusama uh, made a great boxing movie from what I've heard in her own right, Girl Fight with uh, mm. Michelle Rodriguez. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then she also made this film that I really like, The Invitation. Uh, so. yep. And uh, Jennifer's Body. Wait, Karen Kusama directed Jennifer's Body? Yeah. Shut the fuck up. Seriously? Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. Welcome well, back. Aeon Flux has got something to it. I refuse to believe it's bad. We're going to find out, baby. You know what's going to be fun is the conversation because that's what makes all this stuff worthwhile. So we're going to keep watching. You're going to keep watching. I don't know who's watching. You're watching. We're watching. Everybody's watching. Some, and, Dalton's talking. And Dalton's talking. And we'll see you all next time. Machiavelli in this Illuminati all through your body. The blows like a 12-gauge shot at Thank you for tuning in to the Good Trash Shopping Cast, a product of Good Trash Media. For more Good Trash content, head over to GoodTrashMedia.com. Our introduction is a supercut of Junkie XL and Hans Zimmer's Wonder Woman score with some film bits spliced in by myself, Arthur Gordon. And our outro is a long pass called Hail Mary by Tupac Shakur. I ain't a killer, but don't push me. Revenge is like the sweetest joy next to getting pussy. Picture paragraphs unloaded. Wise words being quoted. Beat the weakness in the rap game and sold it. 
bow down, pray to God, hoping that he's listening. See a niggas coming for me, my diamonds when they glistening. Now pay attention, best man, please, Father. I'm a ghost, these chillin' fields, hell, Mary. Catch me if I go, let's go deep inside the solitary mind of a madman. Screams in the dark, evil lurks, enemies, see me flee. Activate my hate, let it break till I'm flaming. Set trip, empty out my clip, never stop to aim. Some say the game is all corrupted, fucked in this shit, stuck. Bust out the shit and plus Mama told me never stop until I bust a nut Fuck the world and they can't adjust It's just a swell Hail Mary with me Hail Mary nigga run quick see What you be having now You wanna ride or die da 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 Come with me Hail Mary nigga run quick see What do we have here